0: John chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees called Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs unless that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except him who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, and whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Amen. <laughs> We keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the glorious, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Holy Spirit enlighten our eyes today and let us get a glimpse into the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray. Amen. A great theme uh, of what of what uh, we'll be speaking on these weeks uh, as it relates to the Holy Spirit uh, is as the Nicene Creed summarizes it. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life. The Spirit who hovered over the waters at creation in order to bring life also works in us to bring new life, but then also to nourish it this is not about simply knowing the truth, but it is also to know in an experiential way the power of the truth. This theme of the new birth, keep in mind today, not simply our initial coming to faith by means of the spirit's regeneration, but also the ongoing the status, the reality into which that new birth gives us. The new birth, uh, as it will describe it today, fits very well under the text in John 6, the spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. It is the spirit alone who gives life now and throughout our lives and the flesh counts for nothing. We constantly want to smuggle in the flesh, not only in our coming to Christ, but also in our following him. But how we come to Christ is also how we grow in him through humble repentance, through dependent faith, as we respond to the ministry of the Spirit. Now, the story of Nicodemus, familiar to many, I'm sure, Uh, Nicodemus visits Jesus at night. Perhaps he had a busy day, but perhaps and a little bit more likely, he chose the nighttime uh, when he would not as likely be seen uh, by his fellow uh, Pharisees or others. But as we understand in the Gospel of John, oftentimes there is a double meaning to words. He he came at night, but also he came and it it, is... It really is implied here he came because his soul also was dark. As he begins his conversation with Jesus, he flatters him. He says, Rabbi, we know that that you're a teacher that comes from God. This is verse 2. No one could do the signs that you're doing if you were not from God. Jesus abruptly redirects him and answers the question that he should have been asking in the first place. We understand from this uh, that the irreligious people, the rule breakers, it's obvious, they need this new birth. What Jesus is coming to hear in his speaking to Nicodemus as well as to us, it is the rule keepers who need the rebirth as well. In fact, Jonathan Edwards put it this way. The rule keepers, the religious people are worse off than the irreligious because they are blinded by their own sense of presumption, their own presumed goodness. And so Jesus gets right to the heart and he is stating here that we are both powerless to both see and to enter into the kingdom of God unless the spirit does something that we cannot do ourselves. Uh, Charles Spurgeon was famous for saying this, the one thing necessary to enter the kingdom of God is the one thing we cannot do, and that is be born of ourselves. We still try, don't we, to enter the kingdom or to increase our obedience in the kingdom, simply by the things that we do. We we may, in some churches, stress this, make a decision for Christ. That's all you need to do, really. Or walk the aisle, or or be baptized, or work at self-improvement. I'm going to read the Bible more, I'm going to pray more, and that will make a change in me. I'm going to dedicate my life to Christ. I mean, really, this time. You must be born again, Jesus says. That is not the gospel. It is rather a condition that you cannot meet. The flesh, remember, gives birth to flesh, and the spirit gives birth to spirit. We see, uh, we see in in verse uh, in verse five, I truly, truly I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. The water and the Spirit. Well. People have looked at that and said, well, that's two different things. That one thing is being born of, the, being born and formed new by the Spirit, but then the water part, clearly that would be our own baptism that we apply. So we smuggle in human works in order to secure what only God can produce. Better to think of it as the work of the Spirit in two different ways. The Spirit cleanses us from sin through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he And he he gives us a new heart. Uh, If if you're able, uh, please turn with me, flip over to Ezekiel chapter chapter 36. And in Ezekiel 36, uh, we read these wonderful verses. I'll read just 25 and 26. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a give you a heart of flesh. Verse 25 let me back up to that sorry I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your unclean cleansing cleansedness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. I will give you that new heart and put that new spirit um, within you. Jesus said you must be born again. Very likely. Uh, the preferred way to understand it is that you must be born from, from above. This is what he said, for example, to Pilate. On his crucifixion. He said, You have no authority over me at all unless given from above. This new birth from above, and yet our human flesh consistently wants to do its part. Um, Nicodem- I don't know what you women, especially you mothers here, think about uh, Nicodemus' comment here. Well, Are are we to somehow climb back into our mother and be born again? Um, It's a grotesque thought, and and yet the human heart will come up with all kinds of imaginations to add to what the Spirit of God alone can do. I want to tell you a story this morning about one of the early professors at Princeton Theological Seminary, who you might call that the spiritual father of the seminary we're more familiar with, and that's Westminster Seminary. Uh, A Baptist carpenter asked Archibald Alexander, a Baptist carpenter asked him if he believed in the second birth. Well, Archibald was taken aback, um, and he said that he did believe in the second birth. The carpenter asked him, have you ever experienced it? And he said, not that I know of, um, those, uh, those disturbing words were followed by perhaps even more disturbing words. Oh, if you had experienced this change, you would know something about it. So Alexander began to study. Um, it seemed to be in the Bible, but there must be some way to explain it away. Since he'd never heard of a Presbyterian experiencing it or even talking about it because he couldn't explain it away he tried then to become his own midwife he said I prayed and then I read the Bible and I prayed some more and I read the Bible I prayed some more and read more and more of the Bible until I was exhausted. But the more I strived, and these are his words, the more I strived, the harder my heart became and the more barren my mind was of any tender feeling. I was about to give up on being my own midwife. I was about to give up, but being so helpless and desperate I cried out to God for help. There you go. I knelt down and poured out a a single request. And in a moment, I had a view of the crucified Savior as I'd never had before. The whole plan of grace was as clear as day. I was persuaded that God would accept me just as I am and was convinced I'd never before understood the freeness of salvation. I was always striving to bring some price in my hand to prepare myself to receive Christ. And now I discovered that I could receive him in all his grace in one moment. And I felt joy unspeakable, full of glory. Have you, have you tasted the spirit who connects us to Jesus by faith through the new birth so that you are full of joy, inexpressible, unspeakable, and full of that glory? I'm going to mention four things about the spirit as in the gift of the new life. Four things about this regeneration that the spirit does first of all verse 8 tells us it is as mysterious uh, as the wind I don't know if you've ever seen a, a, a dollar bill uh, fluttering on the ground as uh, maybe it's just dropped out of your uh, dropped out of your your hand and, and it's moving on the ground it's unpredictable it's flitting one way or another now a child whom we observe a child Uh, may look disinterested and may for all appearances be one the spirit is not working on and has no intention of working on. We may see an adult who is cold and hostile. But it is the spirit working in an unpredictable manner, like the wind, to bring his life. Do you remember when the, the spirit started working in you and blowing in your life? Do you remember that? Or, or perhaps you came to faith uh, before you were really even uh, studied, you were still a child and weren't particularly aware of a time when you did were not a believer. Do you know the spirit? Now, because he's with you and he's in you, or not? The Spirit is mysterious. He is um, as also as irresistible um, as the wind. Uh, this is a, 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 a few phrases from the Confession of Faith uh, on the chapter of effectual calling. Uh, the Spirit effectually calls by his word the Lord effectually calls by his word and spirit out of that state of sin and death in which they are by nature to grace and salvation by Jesus Christ, enlightening their minds spiritually and savingly to understand the things of God, taking away their heart of stone and giving them unto and giving unto them a heart of flesh, renewing their wills and by his mighty power, Uh, Determining them to do what is good And effectually drawing them To Jesus Christ Yet so As they come most freely Being made willing by his grace Uh, This is an irresistible wind Of the spirit Do you remember a few years ago a DeRecho Ripped through Malka Hill And other areas of South Jersey Did it hit Medford? Did you, will you We saw in our areas, trees that were just cut right 20 feet off the ground, just cut off in the irresistible force of the wind. The Spirit does not force you to believe. He enables you so that you want to. You do exactly what you want to do. Come to faith in this Jesus. It is an irreversible work. Uh, One uh, born cannot be unborn. Uh, One made alive um, uh, cannot die spiritually. And yet, as we look at our own lives, there are times when we lose assurance. Uh, We lose touch with the the joy of the Holy Spirit. We can be full of anxiety, and at times, shame can begin to to revisit our lives. And, And we wonder we wonder maybe I'm no longer a Christian maybe God has taken his gaze off me because I'm undeserving I want you to flip over uh, with me to uh, to John 17 I want you to consider the logic of the gospel of John. <laughs> John, John 17, we're going to be looking at verses 23 and 26 in just a moment. But hear, hear this. Um, is our gospel logic, um, is, the, is the Trinity in danger of splitting? Would you say, is the Trinity in danger of, of dividing and splitting apart? Well, we know. That the Trinity, it's been said by Edwards and others, is, is, a, is a family, a community of three. One, uh, one God in, in three persons where there is an eternal uh, uh, an eternal traffic of love uh, through the Holy Spirit. The, the Father uh, having the initiative and in loving the Son. And, and the Son loving the Father in eternal a covenant, uh, an eternal community of love. Harmony and love—that—that that is one nature, one aspect of the Trinity. And and then look with me then at John 17. He's speaking. He's speaking to our consciences as he lays out amazing truths. Um, Jesus says, "I'm in them, and you, Father, are in me, so that they may become perfectly one." so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. The gift of being a child of God is having the Father's love on you, the same love that he has for the Son made known, verse 26, I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. The Father loves you always as he loved the Son. This is how you argue with your own heart. When you feel distant or perhaps Feel the Father has drifted in his love for you. Has the Trinity split apart? No, it certainly has not. The Father loves the Son. The Son loves the Father. The Father has that same love for you on your worst and your coldest days. It is this work is irreversible? This becoming a child of God, this regeneration. The fourth thing is that it does produce change. You hear the sound of the wind. You see trees bend. Uh, you uh, you see uh, leaves uh, flying off, and and uh, it, it does as the text says here in verse eight. It does uh, create change. It is observable. It is observable. Um. I, I am, I am disturbed, and I think this can sort of get into our psyche, as especially those who were brought up in the Presbyterian Church. Uh, it, 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 it is, <laughs> there's this phrase, total depravity, which we sometimes misconstrue and, and take it to mean that we are, are not just affected by evil in every aspect of our person, but we are incurably evil and it downplays the significance of the of the ministry of the spirit and also of our being the children of god think of think of jeremiah 17:9 for example the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick who can understand it that is a bleak description of mankind i'm here to tell you it is not the description of believers The whole context of of Jeremiah 17 is that there were some who were following the Lord. Uh, they're they're, they're ones of the blessed, verse uh, verse 7, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. It is not anxious in the year of doubt. For it does not cease to bear fruit. That is a description of the spirit filled, fruit bearing child of God. Jesus puts it this way um, You are a good tree with good fruit. Multiple times in the Gospels, he says that having come to me, having been grafted into the vine, you're a good tree and you're bearing good fruit yes there is a deceitful part especially in this Jeremiah 17 passage but this is the heart of the deception it is thinking you are in one group the faithful covenant keeping group when you're not that's the danger and that's the deception so dear people of God is is there evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life that is surprising and perhaps beautiful in its fruit. A way that you have come to respond to someone who has sinned against you. Changes that the Spirit has made in your life from the time that you are perhaps a younger believer and you're amazed at what the Spirit is doing. Parents, I, I want to encourage you, especially in raising your children. Um, it is it is a common thing for for parents to um, to say, "Oh, that's just like you to do something like that," or they 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 speak of their children as as being incapable of change instead of looking for the the ministry of the spirit in them. What you look for. Parents, you will find what a blessed environment it is to to bring up children with the expectation that the spirit is at work, even in little ones, to bring beautiful fruit. Well, finally then, um, regeneration does bring this new and spiritual life. Three things. The spirit illumines. That is, the spirit lights up your mind. There, there, um, there is in unbelievers a darkness, there is a gnawing sense of insecurity that is sometimes covered up often covered up with bravado. Um, but, but there is there is also a sense of moral obligation and Romans 1 tells us that tells us this that unbelievers um, realize that there is a decree of God, that those who are unrighteous, who ignore God's word, are are liable and will receive judgment. They know that judgment is coming. Even in that insecurity and even in that bravado, um, the spirit frees hearts from slavish love of self and wins hearts to God. Even these hearts worked on by the Spirit, our own hearts worked on by the Spirit, we can experience the goodness and the mercy and the kindness of God and the Spirit's comfort as we hear of the blood of Christ and share in it. How does does this happen? How does one become translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light? As you hear the gospel, and maybe you're hearing it today, In a life-changing way, as you hear the gospel, the Spirit enters the heart, and we see the kingdom. We see the beauty of God, and your bitter heart is won over by the bitterness of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It is in the hearing of the the good news of Jesus dying for sinners. And the spirit reckoning that in your own conscience that you need this blood and you need it today. He works that regenerating life in them. Some many years ago now, many years ago, my, my wife and I both observed that our second daughter was in her in her bedroom. Um, and she was sitting on her bed and she was she was weeping. Not one I would say given to weeping. But there she was, uh, crying on her bed, and we asked her what was wrong, and, and um, she, um, she, yeah. Now this this child brought up in a Christian home, okay, and she's getting messages of duty and the call to righteousness every day from her parents, from her pastor, uh, from teachers at school, and, and she's getting the messages of the righteousness, the duties that we have before the Lord. And she was weeping there. She said to us, she said. I can't do it. And Gail and I rejoiced with her. Smiles on our face. You don't have to. The Lord Jesus dies for humble, repentant sinners. The Lord Jesus dies for people just like you. He is your Savior. Come to him. Well, the Spirit That day turned on the light. She'd heard that message hundreds of times, literally, but the Spirit turned that light on and she became alive to the beauty of Jesus. Now, has the Holy Spirit worked that change in you? Kids, especially, I'm thinking of you now as you grow up in the church. Um, is Jesus precious and beautiful to you? The one who came for sinners like you, like me. Trust him. Trust him. The Spirit, secondly, also beautifies our hearts. The Spirit beautifies our hearts. This is the part where we say, okay, regeneration, the spirit works regeneration, but that sets you on a lifestyle and on a lifetime of of changed behavior, changed by the spirit, by the fact that you've got this new identity. So the spirit is about the work of purifying our hearts. Without the Holy Spirit, of course, we can only tweak our behavior. Um, um, It is resolution Christianity. I'm going to get up earlier, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to be nicer to other people. And I'm hoping that these external changes that I make are going to change something in me on the inside. It doesn't work that way. The flesh gives birth to what? Flesh. Just get more flesh that way. It is the spirit who gives birth to spirit. C.S. Lewis has an essay called Three Kinds of Men. The first kind of man, woman, child that he is describing there is what we might call the rule breakers. Uh, They live for themselves, they follow their own selfish desires, and they just do whatever they want. I don't know if you've ever met anybody like that, but that would be the rule breakers. Um, The rule keepers, the second ones, the ones who follow the Ten Commandments, they try to do what their parents uh, taught them, And yet, clearly, they have a tension inside of them between what they know they're supposed to do and what they want to do and what they're able to do. So they begrudgingly keep the rules of even Christianity without being Christians at all. And then there's the third kind of person. The third kind of person can say with the Apostle Paul, "For to To me, to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. He is the one I'm looking to. He is the example I want to follow. He is the one who I'm trusting in. He is the one who changes my heart so that I'm being conformed to him more and more after the image, of course, of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Spirit gives that glorious freedom of devotion to Christ. The taste of former sins becomes repulsive in your heart. You delight to obey, even when it's difficult, you delight, you, you can't not do it. The price of Christ, the price of, of knowing and following Christ in this way is, um, is something in a way much easier than moral effort. The reality, the lifestyle is very high. To lay down your cross, take up your cross and follow Christ is a high bar. But in some significant ways, it is easier than living a lifestyle of, of lawlessness. Because all you have to do is look to Jesus rest in the work of the spirit and get up and do the next right thing it's not that complicated and with your eyes on jesus it is the life of freedom dear dear friends are you a spirit changed person from the inside out does the law of christ or the love of christ rather constrain you <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 5, does it control you? Is it it what what you want more than anything? Well, the Spirit finally then does renew our desires. He renews our desires. Our, Our appetites can still kind of run wild, can't they? Sometimes we eat more than we should and feel bloated. Sometimes we drink more than we should Sometimes we watch things that we shouldn't. Sometimes our minds wander into places they shouldn't go. Sometimes we look at things too long. Sometimes we give in to our desires and we may even become used to doing that. Well, how do we get, how do we as believers even break out of that? Thomas Chalmers had um, a sermon called The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. I love the title. In fact, some say that the title is better than the sermon. The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. What is that about? The evil desires that still live inside of our heart, and if you're not sure you have any, you might want to revisit Romans 7. The evil desires um, need to be replaced with better and stronger ones. Evil desires need to be replaced with better and stronger ones. My wife um, tells the story. I'm not sure if she just made it up as an illustration or if it really happened, but it's a cool story. And that is you've got a little child and they are gripping a knife, not by the handle end, but by the blade end. All right? You've got a three-year-old kid standing in the kitchen holding on to a Cutco or some other really sharp knife. Thank the Lord we didn't have any of those in our house, um, but but what do you do? I'm going to drop that knife. The child's going to squeeze it even more if you yell at them like that. What do you do? Entice them with something better. A piece of the cheesecake that I hear is coming later today would be one. Entice them with something with something better. See, the gift that you receive in the gospel is Jesus himself. He is the prize of your faith. He wins you over by his love, for he is full of gentleness. He is full of mercy. And we are surprised, frequently surprised, that he is drawn to us, particularly in our weakness. Particularly in our coldness of heart, in our disobedience, he is particularly drawn to us because he knows what to do with it. He loves his weak children. And he himself is more desirable than gold. He himself is sweeter than honey. Dear friends, has the Holy Spirit given you ears to hear and eyes to see this Christ? To hear him speaking in his word? And has he softened your heart with his kindness? We're going to receive the supper. I believe it's today. Is it, or am I mistaken there? It's not today. Excuse me for that. I was going to say. Look forward to when you do receive the supper. Look forward to when you do receive the supper. That it it is um, Jesus saying to you that I am with you and I am for you. And let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Let's pray. Spirit, we do pray that you would give us eyes. To know our Lord Jesus, who has become for us the very wisdom of God, our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. We pray these things in the name of Christ. Amen.